Well, good morning and welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church Online. Great to have you here with us from wherever you're watching from around the world. Thank you for joining us this morning. Two things before we get started. Number one, share the love, baby. I would encourage you to share this message with somebody else because God's love is what our world desperately needs right now. His hope, his joy, his faithfulness. So share the love. Number two, I would encourage you to download today's notes. Download today's notes on the YouVersion app. You can uh, access all of today's notes from that app. And I would encourage you to follow along with today's message uh, by, by following along with the verses and the fill in the blanks. Now, that being said, today we're continuing on our series called Interrupted. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series that interrupted our previous series called Fighting Words. We interrupted that series with this one because everything feels like it's interrupted. Two weeks ago when we started the series, we started with a verse and we, we looked at uh, Psalm 46.10. Here's the Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. Now, this is a good reminder for us two weeks ago as we began this quarantine and shut in home and all that. Be still and know that I am God. It's a good reminder two weeks ago. It's also a good reminder for us every day since then. I'm not God. You're not God. So let God be God. Be still and let God be God. That's still a good reminder for us every single day. That was two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about a, a different verse, 1 Peter 5.10. Now, here's 1 Peter 5.10. It says, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, last Sunday, we picked this verse apart, phrase by phrase, word by word. God himself will restore you. He's going to get us through this. God himself is going to restore you, uh, whether now or in eternal glory in Christ. How's he going to do it? He's going to make you strong and firm and steadfast after you have suffered for a little while. Keyword, a little while. Friends, this pandemic is not going to go on forever. If you look at the history of pandemics, pandemics don't last forever. They have a, a start point and an end point, but it's not going to last forever. If we have to deal with this for a little while, perhaps weeks, months, maybe even a year, what do we do during the little while? That's what we talked about last week. I would encourage you, draw near to God. What it says in James 4, 8 is that when we come to near, near to God, he comes near to you. I would encourage you during this little while while we're going through this pandemic, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Now, now notice that's James 4, 8a. The second half of this verse is also relevant as well because it says, wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> I think you could take this entire verse of James 4, 8 of come near to God and he'll come near to you. But then the second half of it, wash your hands, you sinners. This could be the theme verse of the whole pandemic. That's a good reminder. So perhaps print off James 4, 8, put it on your mirror, put it by your sink as a reminder, draw near to God, come near to him. He'll come near to you. And oh, by the way, don't forget to wash your hands as well. That's a good reminder. Now, that being said, there's a couple bad reminders that I've heard about. Did you hear about the parents that just recently they named their twin babies COVID and Corona? Isn't this absurd? They have a reminder for the rest of their lives that they're named after a disease that killed thousands of people. What a bad reminder that would be. Now, that being said, some people react in weird ways during this pandemic. Other people are very creative with how they react, such as the guy who created an obstacle course in his apartment. Check it out.
I love how he uses hand sanitizer at the very end of that. It's so creative. Uh, I can't encourage you to go and do that and make an obstacle course in your house or your condo or your apartment because I don't want the liability if you break your neck. I don't want you to sue me for that. But if you do it on your own and if you set up an obstacle course, make a video and send it to me so you can share your love with me because I'd love to see it. Some people are very creative. Uh, there's also some people that are very sentimental doing some cool things during this pandemic. I came across the story of a wedding couple that they, they wanted to get married. They had invited over 400 guests to the reception. Here's a picture of this couple. But obviously with our shut in place and with, uh, with all the rules and regulations, they can't, they can't have a wedding. So they still got married. They got legally married. But instead of having 400 guests for the reception, they took all the meals from that reception and donated it to a local hospital for the, the nurses, the doctors, the first responders. I think that's very admirable. And I think that's really cool. And I love to hear stories like that. There's another picture that I came across of an elderly couple with this gentleman doing his wife's hair because he didn't want her to go not well-groomed. He wants his wife to be well-groomed, which I think is really sweet and sentimental. In fact, my wife sent me this picture. She's the one who showed it to me. And I said, babe, that is so sweet and so sentimental. Tell you what, I want to also be sweet and sentimental. I'll start dyeing your hair. It'll save me a few Benjamins, you know. I'll start dyeing your hair. So far, my wife has said, no, thank you. Uh, you don't have to dye my hair. But as soon as she gives me the green light, I'm ready to go. I got my Kool-Aid packs ready to go so I can dye my wife's hair. People react in all sorts of different ways, and I'm, I'm encouraged by some of the ways that people are inspiring and motivating other people. Today, as we continue on in our series called Interrupted, uh, we're also talking about how today is Palm Sunday. And this series of Interrupted is going to merge with Palm Sunday because there's a story in scripture where we see how Jesus interrupted the entire city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. So let's dive into it together. If you happen to have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the New International Version. If you don't have that translation, that's okay. You can go to uversion.com. You can download it for free or you can follow along on biblegateway.com. But I'm going to be reading from Matthew 21 from the NIV starting in verse one. Read along with me. Here we go. Matthew writes, he says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Now, let me stop there for a second. And let me set the context for you. As they approached Jerusalem, who's they? Who's, who's Matthew talking about? Well, they is Jesus and the disciples. Jesus and the disciples are heading to Jerusalem. Before they get to Jerusalem, they stop at a little village called Bethphage. Now, why are they going to, to Jerusalem in the first place? The reason Jesus and the disciples are going to Jerusalem is because they're going to celebrate Passover. Now, Jesus and the disciples, they've been going from town to town and village to village, teaching about the biblical things, godly things, teaching the gospel. But now they're heading into the city of Jerusalem for Passover. Now, what's Passover? What is that? Well, it's a Jewish holiday that was a week-long celebration. Now, what were they celebrating? They're celebrating what, what took place 1,400 years before Jesus was even born. 1,400 years earlier, a dude named Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, I want you to let God's people go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, the answer to your question is no. I'm not going to let your people go. I'm not going to do that. And so, so Moses basically says to Pharaoh, he says, look, Pharaoh, we can do things the easy way or we can do things the hard way. You pick. Pharaoh says, I'm not letting your people go. And so Moses says, fine, I'm going to bring down 10 plagues upon you. With the power of God, I'm going to bring plagues down upon the people in Egypt. So all sorts of plagues began to happen. The Nile River turned to blood. There was hail, locust, flies, lice, all sorts of gross things that were taking place in Egypt. So those plagues begin to take place. And as those plagues be begin to take place, every time Pharaoh says, I'm not going to let your people go. Every time, time and time again, I'm not letting your people go. Well, finally, there's a 10th and final plague. And the 10th and final plague was where all the firstborn sons were going to be killed by the angel of death. God was going to send his angel of death. All the firstborn sons were going to be killed. Now, the Jewish people knew that that plague was going to take place. And so they wanted to be prepared for it. So to be prepared and send a symbol to God that they were 
following God and they're obedient to God, they were going to put the blood of the lamb, blood of a, an innocent lamb over the doorposts of their homes. Now, any home that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the angel of death would pass over that house. So Pharaoh did not put the blood of the lamb on his doorpost. So the angel of death came in and killed Pharaoh's firstborn son. And as he killed his firstborn son at that point, uh, then Pharaoh says to Moses, you know what? Get out of here. Take your people and leave. And so so Moses doesn't hesitate. He mobilizes 2 million people and they begin to have a mass exodus out of the country of Egypt. So they're leaving Egypt. Pharaoh changes his mind. He begins to pursue them. He doesn't catch them. Long story short, the God's people get freed from their captivity that they've been in and no longer they held captive. So every year after that point, every year the Jewish people would celebrate Passover, which is celebrating God's deliverance from their captivity. So fast forward after Moses, 1400 years later, Jesus and the disciples are heading into Jerusalem because people from all over these towns and villages would show up to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover together. So they too are going to, to Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday that they, they celebrate every year. So that being said, they are uh, outside of Bethphage, which is a little village outside of the city of Jerusalem. They stop there before you go into the city and Jesus sends two of his disciples to run an errand. That's where we pick back, pick, uh, pick back up in the story, Matthew 21, verse one. Jesus sent two disciples, verse two, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Now, when Jesus says to, to his disciples, I want you to go get this donkey, the disciples likely knew what he was talking about. Now, Matthew doesn't indicate which disciples Jesus was talking to, but more than likely, oftentimes Jesus would, would have Peter and John be the two errand boys that they would go and do things for Jesus. And so more than likely, it was Peter and John. And more than likely, Peter and John were the ones Jesus sent to go find the donkey. And when Jesus said, go find the donkey, they probably knew what that meant. Because more than likely, all the disciples with Jesus realized that there was a prophecy because the Jewish people were trained in these prophecies. They're trained in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Zechariah. And Zechariah had prophesied 500 years earlier before Jesus showed up, he had prophesied that the new king will one day walk into the city of Jerusalem riding upon a donkey. Let's look at that prophecy together. It's found in the book of Zechariah, chapter nine, verse nine. The prophet says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, this was a prophecy made 500 years earlier, and more than likely, these Jewish disciples knew exactly what this prophecy was saying. So when Jesus says to Peter and John or those disciples, and he says, go find the donkey, go bring the colt back to me, they probably were excited. They were stoked because they knew this is the fulfillment of the prophecy from the prophet Zechariah from 500 years earlier. Jesus is gonna ride a donkey and everybody in Jerusalem is gonna know he is the new king. So they obey their orders. Matthew 21, six, the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them to do. They're probably skipping along into this village of Bethphage to go get the donkey and the colt and bring it back to Jerusalem or bring it back to Jesus to ride into Jerusalem. Matthew 21, seven, the disciples brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now, Jesus didn't even tell them to put their cloaks on, on the donkey and the colt, but they did it. Why? Because they knew what Jesus was about to do. Jesus is about to ride on the donkey into the city of Jerusalem. So they load up Jesus, he gets onto the donkey and all these disciples start walking from the town of, or the little village of Bethphage into the city of Jerusalem. 
Now, as they're heading into Jerusalem, there's a whole crowd awaiting them on both sides of the road. There's a crowd. Now, where did the crowd come from? How did the crowd know that Jesus is going to be rolling up into Jerusalem? Well, more than likely, the crowd had been following Jesus and the disciples from town to town and village to village. Everywhere he went, there was large crowds that went with him. So when Jesus and the disciples stopped at Bethphage, more than likely, the crowd continued on to go to Jerusalem, knowing that Jesus was going to follow after and show up to Jerusalem as well. So these crowds show up on the streets, they're lining the streets, and Jesus and, and the, this uh, parade of d- disciples start walking into the city, and they're welcomed with a triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. We continue on, Matthew 21, verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. They're cutting palm branches off of trees and putting them on the ground. This is why we call it Palm Sunday. They're putting their clothes out. They're putting their cloaks out. They're putting their jackets out. They're basically making a red carpet, so to speak, for the arrival of the king. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went to uh, a Night to Shine event, which is basically a prom for those who have different abilities and special needs. And when we went to this event, it was over at Oasis Church with Pastor Randy Jocelyn uh, was organizing. And when we showed up, they would pair people with those who have different abilities. And so I got paired with a guy named Stanley. In fact, I got a picture with Stanley and I at the Night to Shine event. Uh, he's, he's got this black cowboy hat. He's just, uh, he, I, I don't know if it's working or not. Uh, there he is. So Stanley is, uh, he, he's a guy with different abilities and guy with special needs. And so they paired me with Stanley and Stanley and I hung out through the entire night and we got to do all sorts of fun things. We ate Chick-fil-A together. We went on a limo ride together. In fact, multiple limo rides together, but we also got to walk the red carpet because this is one of the, the best parts of the night for the night to shine for this event is when people got to walk the red carpet. So I went to Stanley and I said, Stanley, you have an opportunity. Everybody gets to walk the red carpet. Do you want to walk on the red carpet? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, that's awesome. They're going to they're gonna read off your name. Are you excited about that? And he said, yes, I am. I said, are you going to dance on the red carpet, Stanley? And he said, yes, of course. And I said, Stanley, can I go on the red carpet with you? And he said, Yes, you can. And I'm like, yeah, boy. And so I was really, really excited. I got to walk on the red carpet with Stanley. I'm not even the royalty. He's the royalty, but I get to go with him. In fact, my wife captured a couple seconds of a video of Stanley and I on the red carpet at Night to Shine. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the red carpet, Stanley. That was so much fun. I'm not even the one that's the royalty. I wasn't the one being honored. Stanley was, but it was still such an honor for me to be on the red carpet and dance with Stanley. I can't imagine what it must have been like 2,000 years ago for these disciples to be right there with Jesus. Jesus is riding the donkey into Jerusalem. People are putting their coats down. They're putting their palm branches down. They're making a red carpet for the arrival of the king. And for the disciples, they're not the king. They're just with the king. They're just with the royalty, but they got to experience that. They got to be there right with Jesus. What a magical type of experience that must've been for the disciples. So as they're walking along, as they're going in, the crowds begin chanting. Matthew 21, verse nine, the crowds 
that went ahead of him and those that followed were shouting. Now imagine this scenario. There's crowds in front. There's people lined on both sides of the street as Jesus is riding the donkey, the entourage of disciples around. They're walking into the street or walking into the, on the street into Jerusalem, people on both sides. But as they pass through the crowd, the crowd begins to, to pile in behind and begins to follow this parade. So there's people in front, there's people behind, there's people everywhere and they're all shouting. Now, what are they shouting? They're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, what does Hosanna mean? Hosanna is a Hebrew word that's kind of like hooray, like yay, but it literally means save us. That's what Hosanna means. They're basically saying to Jesus, Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us, save us, save us. They're chanting it over and over. Now, granted, this is 2,000 years ago, but it seems so similar to, to what's going on right now with coronavirus in 2020. So many people, thousands, if not millions of people are flocking back to churches right now. And they're, they're saying to Jesus, save us, save us, Jesus, save us. Yesterday, we had one church prayer day. And with One Church Prayer Day, we asked uh, dozens of churches to join us in prayer. Christians from all over San Juan County, Christians perhaps from all over New Mexico, all over the world, were joining together to pray to God, to ask him to save us and free us from this pandemic. It was based on 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is the, the kind of the theme verse for prayer day yesterday. It says this, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This was our prayer yesterday. This is our prayer today. This is our prayer that God will heal our land. And many people are going to Jesus saying, Jesus, save us, save us. The same thing 2000 years ago, as Jesus and the disciples are, are walking in, Jesus is riding on the donkey. It's a parade going on and people are chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus, save us. So there's crowds everywhere. Jesus is on the donkey. They're riding in, parades going, and they go into the center in the town of Jerusalem. That's where we pick up the story again. Matthew 21, verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Now, I love that phrase. The whole city was stirred. There was buzz. There was excitement. And people began asking the question, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? Who's this guy that's rolling up on a donkey in the middle of town? Why is everybody buzzing about this? Why is everybody talking about it? It created a stir in that entire city. The whole city was stirred. Now, again, this took place 2,000 years ago, but again, there's similarities to 2020 because as people are flocking to online churches today because of a pandemic and a COVID-19, many people are leaning in and they're thinking, okay, I'm out of control. I don't know how to handle a pandemic. I don't know what to do with all this. And so there's a stir as it relates to Jesus. And as people are trying to figure out who is Jesus, they're asking the question, watching streams like this, perhaps wondering who is this man? Who is this Jesus? I'm curious, I'm leaning in because I'm out of control and I wanna be a part of a God who is in control. So who is this Jesus? People are asking that today. They're asking that 2000 years ago. Now the crowds that were around Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem, they began to answer the question. The crowd saying, who is this man? The crowd answers back, verse 11, the crowd answers and says, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now they got the answer half right and half wrong. It is Jesus. But Jesus never claimed to be a prophet. Jesus never claimed to be just a guy that can predict the future. He never claimed to be just a good guy or a good man or a good teacher. He never claimed to be just that. He claimed to be, Jesus claimed to be the great I am. 
Jesus claimed to be the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He claimed to be our savior. He claimed to be the Messiah. You see the crowd, get this, the crowd that was following Jesus from town to town and village to village that was hearing him didn't quite understand who Jesus was. They didn't understand that there was more to him than just being a nice guy. In fact, there's people that are watching right now, perhaps you don't have a comprehension, a full comprehension of who is Jesus. Because there's, there's a likelihood that sometimes people think, well, Jesus is just a guy who's a motivating person. He's just an, an inspirational person. He's not just an inspirational person. He's not just a, a motivational speaker. He's not just a guy that we read the red letters from in, in, in church and just a, a good guy. He never claimed to be just a good, good guy. He claimed to be God in the flesh. So the question I have for you this morning, friends, is this. Who is Jesus to you? Because some of the followers from 2,000 years ago, they didn't quite understand who Jesus was. If Jesus is just a guy that you hear from once a, once a week on Sunday, or perhaps you tune in and watch on a live stream every once in a while, then you're missing who Jesus really was and who he really is. Friends, Jesus, there's no other name like Jesus. There's no other king like Jesus. Jesus is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He is our Messiah. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. He's more than just a good guy that has some good ideas. He is the son of God. There is no other king like Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. Check out this video. No other king could vanquish the war horse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for. The one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. There is no other king like him. There is no other king.
storm surrounding me, let it break at your name still. The call I see is still, the rage in me to still every way at your name, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. These lungs to sing once again. I will rise, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, oh, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name is the light the shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome your name is a light forever lifted high your name cannot be overcome Jesus Jesus you made the darkness tremble Silence, fear, Jesus, Jesus. You made the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus makes the darkness tremble. Jesus is not going to be overcome. There is power in the name of Jesus. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And he is our Redeemer and our Savior. He is our Messiah. So let's worship him as if he is the King of all kings. This last week on Wednesday, I did a, uh, an Instagram live Bible study devotional. Many of you watching right now were a part of that. It was an interactive type of Bible study. And many people were giving feedback while we were going through this Bible study as far as what stood out to them. And there was one particular sec- section of scripture, Psalm 49 and 10, that resonated with a lot of people. Let me read to you a couple of these verses. David says these things to God. He says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Now, what's the great assembly? It's a crowd of people, a crowd of 120 different people with diverse backgrounds, diverse beliefs and faiths. But David is making the proclamation. He's basically saying, God, I am going to proclaim your love for me. I'm going to tell everybody in front of crowds how much I love you and I adore you, how much you're there for me. I'm going to talk about your faithfulness. I'm not going to seal my lips. I'm going to tell anybody and everybody who's willing to listen about my faith and my God who is in control. This, the, the things that David was saying a long time ago, perhaps that's a lesson that we need to take this Palm Sunday and be bold and courageous with how we talk about God in front of other people. You can, you can quarantine yourself from God and you can be on the, on the back burner. You don't have to tell anybody about your faith with God, or you can be bold and courageous and publicly proclaim your love for God. Because the reality is that friends, right now, when people are swirling around in the storm of COVID-19 and this coronavirus, they're desperate for some stability. And in an unstable world, what provides stability is God. So rather than be quiet and timid and meek about your relationship with God, I would encourage you to take the lesson from David and say, I'm going to publicly proclaim, I'm not going to hide my faith. My God is greater. He is stronger than any virus and he is in control. People need to hear the message of God. They need to hear about Jesus because friends, Jesus is not just some other dude. He's not some guy that's just a good teacher. Jesus is God in the flesh and God is in control. So use your platform, use your voice, use your social media, use your Instagram, your your Facebook, use whatever you can to help boldly proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Next week, one week from today is Easter Sunday. And today being Palm Sunday paves the way for the arrival of the triumphal, triumphant entry into Jerusalem with Jesus. But you know that there's many, many more details to this story to come. And next Easter, uh, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And, and I heard just, just yesterday, I heard somebody make the comment, oh, Easter is canceled this year. 
No, it's not. Easter's not canceled. We're still going to be meeting, even if it's a socially distanced meeting, we're still going to be celebrating the fact that God sent his son to pay the penalty for you and I on the cross. And that that didn't, death didn't keep him down. He didn't stay in the tomb. He was resurrected. He came back because Jesus is the king of all kings. He is our savior. So this next Sunday, Easter Sunday, 9 and 1030, both of them are going to be live streamed. I would encourage you to make plans to be here for Easter for our live stream. But I would also encourage you to share this graphic. This graphic is going to be on, on, on social media and on Instagram. You could take a picture of it. You can invite somebody. You can send them a text message. Invite them to be a part of church wherever you're watching from online and join in together because he lives. Jesus survives. Jesus doesn't just survive. He comes back and gives us hope. He gives us a future. He gives us grace. He gives us stability in an unstable world. So I would encourage you, don't just make plans to be here for Easter. Invite somebody, publicly proclaim and get other people to come and watch it with you because the message of the gospel changes lives. That's next Sunday, one week from today. Now, prior to that, there's a couple other things that we have coming up as well. In fact, this Thursday, I've been going live from Facebook every Thursday. I'm going to do that again this coming Thursday, but we're going to switch it up a little bit because this Thursday at 6 p.m., I'm going to go live, but I'm going to go live leading you in a Passover meal. Now, what is a Passover meal? Let me go back to the story from scripture I was telling you about a few minutes ago. Uh, when Jesus rode the donkey from Bethphage into Jerusalem, the disciples were around him. There's a parade that takes place where people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus, save us. They get inside the city of Jerusalem. And once they're there, uh, shortly after they arrive, Jesus and the disciples go into a borrowed room. And inside this borrowed room, they have a dinner together. Now we refer to that dinner as the last supper. This is away from the crowds, away from the buzz, away from the city that's stirred with the arrival of Jesus. It's just the intimacy of Jesus and his disciples. Now in this last supper, they go through a, a series of different types of food. Now, in this Last Supper, they, they, uh, Jesus takes a, a cup of wine and says, drink this wine in remembrance of my blood that's going to be shed for you. Now, the disciples had no idea what he was talking about because they didn't know he was going to go, go, go to the cross the very next day. But then he takes bread and he says, break this bread, eat this bread in remembrance of my body that will be broken for you. And again, the disciples had no idea what he was talking about. But we celebrate communion to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross with juice and with bread or a cracker. But most Christians, what they don't realize is that there's more elements, there's more food to this dinner because every Passover of the Jews for 1400 years would have different types of food. In fact, it's a Seder meal. Seder is a Hebrew word for order. They would follow a specific order and eat these different types of foods, all of which had symbolism of God granting them uh, grace and forgiveness and freedom. And so what we're going to do on Thursday is we're going to go through all those different types of food, not just the juice and the cracker. We're going to go through all of it, the same type of Passover meal that Jesus would have had with his disciples the night before he went to the cross. So this Thursday, what you can do is you and your family, you can gather around the kitchen table and you can have different types of food. Now I say a Seder meal, I say a Passover meal and a dinner. It's not really a filling type of dinner. What it is, is more of like when you go to Sam's Club and you get a little sample and you try a bite here and a try a bite there. That's kind of how it is. You, know, you don't really get full from communion. That's how a Seder meal as well. You try this bite and it symbolizes this thing. And if you try this bite and this bite and this bite, it all has symbolism. So what I would encourage you to do is go to our website, phcc.church resources, and you can download a PDF. 
And that PDF has all the instructions, all the materials that you'll need, the different menu items. Now, it's not going to be a ton of stuff. You can probably find things in your pantry and your fridge to be able to do this. Now, if you don't want to deal with that, another alternative is that you can go to canyon-cafe.com and you can order what we're calling a Passover pack. And in that Passover pack is going to be all the materials, all the food that you'll need for your family to have a Seder meal this Thursday. We've never done this in the history of our church at Pinion Hills Community Church. But wherever you're watching from around the world, whether in Farmington or any other place, any other state or country, you can join us at 6 p.m. this Thursday as we go through our first ever Seder Passover meal together. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to talk about the symbolism of each one of the foods, and it's going to be a really cool experience, something we've never tried before. So join us this coming Thursday, and that's on Good Friday Eve. Just like Jesus would have had, he had a Passover meal, his last supper with his disciples the day before he was crucified. So that's Thursday at 6 p.m. We're going to live stream it. Then the very next day is Good Friday. And I would encourage you to join us for Good Friday as well. It's going to be a powerful experience. It's going to be online as well, also at 6 p.m. So Thursday is our Seder Passover meal at 6 p.m. live streamed. Friday is our Good Friday experience uh, where we commemorate that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. And it's a, a very unique experience. It's actually one of my favorite services of the entire year as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then two days later on Sunday, we're going to have our Easter services at 9 and 1030 multiple ways that you can be engaged. Thursday for a Seder meal, Friday for Good Friday, and then on Sunday, the message of the gospel that Jesus lives. Friends, will you join us? Will you join us as we head into Holy Week, as we, as we talk about Jesus, and Jesus is not just any old name. He's not just another guy. He's not just another person claiming to be the Messiah. He is the King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords, and he is our Redeemer, and he's our Savior. Will you help get the word out to help create a buzz and an excitement to help our community become stirred with the name of Jesus? Because there's two times throughout the year that people are willing to come to church. It's either Christmas and Easter. And 70%, over 70% of the people that are invited to come to an Easter service will say yes, even if they don't normally come to a church service. So will you extend the invitation? Will you help share the love? Will you help share the message? There's many ways that people can experience Easter this year, even though we're all online and we're socially distanced. It doesn't mean Easter is canceled. It is not. Thursday, Friday, Sunday, multiple ways to be engaged. Will you help get the word out? Will you share today's message? Will you help share the love? Because Jesus is the name above all names. And there's people that are desperate right now of having some sort of stability in this unstable situation. Will you help get the word out that Jesus is King? Will you be bold? Will you be courageous? Will you share on your all your social media platforms to help us get the word out about our Easter services, our Seder meal, our Good Friday? Will you help get the word out because he is the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And we're thankful that Jesus is the King, the name above all names. Let's pray. God, we come to you now and we say thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We say thank you for what that means, that we have hope in situations that feel hopeless. We have assurance when it feels as though the world is spinning around us. God, we thank you for Jesus that we have an eternity because of him. We have an eternity with you, God, in heaven that awaits us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We thank you for that type of unconditional love that none of us deserve what Jesus did for us, but he just loves us so much that he went to the cross willingly for, for each one of us. So God, we say thank you. And as we approach Easter and commemorate and remember what you did through your son, Jesus, we say thank you to you, God. Jesus, we say thank you for what you're willing to do on the cross. And as we approach the days in remembrance of what you did, I, I pray that we're bold. I pray that we're courageous, 
that we're not weak, that we're not timid, that we're using our platforms to encourage other people to hear about you, Jesus, about your love, your grace, your redemption. You're not just any other person. You're not just any other king. You are the king above all kings. So I pray that we can have a role in helping bring people to you and perhaps introduce people to you and that they would have an experience where their life is changed from the inside out because of your grace and your love and your hope and your joy and your faithfulness, Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity. We get to proclaim that publicly. We get to proclaim that boldly. I pray that each one of us chooses to do that. We say these things in Jesus' name, amen.